Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN Radio. I'm Ed Maher from the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and joining me today is Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Happy Sunday. Hey, happy Sunday. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Um, what's new and exciting with you today, Phil? Oh, man. Uh, beautiful morning here. Got up, had some coffee, read the paper. Yeah. Um, just while enjoying, you were driving in. While I was driving in, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm a multitasker, as you well know. Um, but yeah, just uh, enjoying these, these final days of summer before school starts. Yeah, right on. It was back to school uh, around my house this past week. So it's uh, hectic, but you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of quiet around the house in the uh, late morning. We'll take it. It's not yeah. like I've been counting down the days for when school starts at my house or anything. Right on. Speaking uh-huh. of counting down, I think uh, Ken Edwards is going to be back next week. I, mean, I, I still don't know exactly where he is. We've he been still tracking, works here? I think so. Okay. We've been tracking Ken sightings. Uh, last week it was... Uh, dragging a shark on the shore. That's up in right, New York. In New York, yes, I know. I caught a lot of hate from the listeners about how that shark attack happened in New York, and I was like, shark attacks don't happen in New York, but they do. And the day <laughs> apparently I said, a lot of them. There's been a few. Like this summer at Rockaway Beach, there was like three sock, or excuse me, three shark bites. So uh, yeah, I stand corrected. You know, Catholic also, education. Also, Jaws took place i think in like cape cod in cape cod so yes north of new york yeah, so okay, there are sharks all right, all over. All right. dig Though it jaws, in further Just... jaws might not have been a real movie i'm not sure if that shark was real uh, it was real scary based on a true story <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, i don't know we had ken uh, he was sighted out in texas at uh, rodeo camp i think and was then, it yeah uh, fantasy camp for the rodeo guys and then uh dragon sharks and dragon I don't know, sharks any, you heard anything uh I mean, free diving maybe off the Horn of Africa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix about free diving. I did watch it. That's insane. The, these these people dive down so far, and by the time they reach the water, they're basically um, unconscious. It looks like they're having a seizure. Yeah. And then they oh, just, when they resurface, yeah. Right, and they have medics come in. I forget what it's called, but it's it's called like free dive or something like that. But free diving, yeah. It was go, crazy. They go 125 meters. I think I I saw the record. Uh, is 440 feet down on one breath. Yeah. Well, <laughs> start, Ken, whatever you're doing out there off the coast of Africa, free diving, just please be careful. I started to get the bends after that. I was uh, driving in, and I heard on the radio, on WGN, of course, uh, it was a, a summary of a, uh, a study on tip fatigue. And this was something, it's a term that I hadn't heard before, but um, tip fatigue is, you know, Post-pandemic, it seems that people are really getting tired of tipping and that there are more and more businesses that tipping are Tipping being gratuity. Gratuity, correct. Yes. Providing gratuity for various workers. Um, and Bankrate did this study, and they said that two-thirds of Americans have a negative view on tipping um, because it used to be you would tip if you went to a restaurant and – you know, I think it used to be 15%. I think yeah. it's probably now more like 20% it's is generally uh, the accepted. standard. Yeah. Right. right. But, uh, but it, it cited a lot of different industries like, um, say, Starbucks or a coffee shop, more specifically. I would never suggest that anyone should go to Starbucks. Never. But uh, going to a coffee shop, sometimes you'll they'll flip the thing around and it's like 25, 30%. Like it starts at 20%, goes up to 30%. And sometimes oh, on, on the chip reader. Right. On yeah. the, uh, so how much do you tip for different things? I mean, you know, if you're picking up uh, food for carryout, do you tip 20% on that? Do you tip 20% for delivery? It's, uh, and I think uh, the, the point of this whole story was that people are just tired of trying to have to figure it out. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but at that's the end why of, we need those advice columnists like Miss Manners and Emily Post. They used to you know tell you how much you should tip. We yeah. we need a, we need a modern day Miss Manners. I think if you're, if I you're think you should take up that mantle, Mister Manners. <laughs> Mr. Manners. <laughs> Nobody would ever call me Mister Manners. <laughs> But maybe it's time to really just uh, adopt this. I, I, could, yeah, I could maybe give this a try. I don't know. Um, Hold the door I, I, for old ladies. I, I, yeah. What would That's that, a good one also. What would that number be? Uh, for I mean, if you're dining at a restaurant, I think, you know, if if service is good, yeah. I, I always kind of think, you know, 20%. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean. That's the standard. Right, right. Yeah, but, but also, like, I don't think I've ever gone below that for poor service. You know, like, if it's exceptional, I'll go 25, but like. You literally have to like set my hair on fire for me to give you less yeah, there, than twenty percent. There's always people who are yeah. like, it's optional, and if the you, person isn't doing good, you don't tip them. But I mean, I've I've worked for tips, and I yeah, think anybody yeah. who's ever worked for tips in their life can understand that. Uh, you know, leaving somebody no tip, yeah, especially if you're if if they're waiting a table, coming back, bringing you food, bringing you drinks, all that kind of stuff, like really putting in some work for you. That's pretty harsh. Yeah, and, uh, I, I I get it. I mean, I just as we. Talked about before, though, like, I've never heard of anyone going broke from tipping too much. Right. Now, it, 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 now, it, it seems like it's gotten, not, I don't want to say carried away, but there's a lot more opportunities to tip people nowadays. Right. Um, and what I find interesting is it seems like some of the lowest paid workers in, we'll say, franchise fast food operations, mm-hmm. they don't get tipped. And those are the people I feel like you should tip, you know? I don't, know. Um, I don't know how it works because there's a there's a minimum wage for tipped employees and minimum wage for non-tipped. And federal law states that uh, for tipped employees, they can be paid as little as $2.13 per hour. That's now, federal? Know, now, the minimum wage for, for tipped employees in Illinois is different. It's I want to say it's, higher. it's somewhere in the yeah. neighborhood of like $4. Yeah. And, and uh, there's always legislation to change that, right? Right. Yeah, I think there's even a bill pending right now. In the city of Chicago, uh, Brandon Johnson, one of Mayor Brandon Johnson, one of his big initiatives, and I don't think it's advancing yet, but something that he wants to try to push is getting um, that minimum wage for tipped workers for tipped up workers. to the regular minimum wage. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's how they do it in Europe. There's no right. tipping in Europe. Exactly. Yeah. For yeah. the you know, for folks that don't want to tip, yeah. uh, we have to remember that the people who are relying on this, this is a big part of their income. This and they're is, not yeah. making minimum wage. If right. they're making two or three dollars an hour and counting on tips, yeah. it's not unreasonable for them to be counting on yeah, tips. Yeah, this isn't going to a slush fund. This is what pays their bills. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I mean one of the one of the other things that I always ask is because I delivered pizzas in college. And the, there was a delivery fee, but the delivery fee went straight to the Did people Did you ever get tipped pizzas. with uh, non-financial remuneration? People, you, yeah. people in college towns will often <laughs> attempt it, but you know, I'm, I'm yes. firmly against You're that type of behavior. Yes. Correct. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of pizza places. It's interesting. Next time you order a pizza for delivery, ask the driver when he comes or she comes whether they get that delivery fee. Because some places will charge like a oh, $3 right. delivery yeah. fee. Yeah. And you ask if they get it, and they're like, no, no I don't like, get that. that goes to the so, restaurant, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no, it actually goes to DoorDash or whatever the carrier is. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, those, yeah, stay away from those. Yeah, yeah. those services are... Uh, yeah, they, I always go right to the restaurant if you sure. can. Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned that during COVID, just hearing about uh, hearing about folks that were doing the, uh, the DoorDash and whatever. Getting screwed, yeah. Right. I saw, because um, I think Rick Bayless is talking about uh, turning all his restaurants into be uh, non gratuity based, so there would be you know it, there would be basically a fifteen to twenty percent sur- surcharge added to your bill. And he talked about how actually it's beneficial for restaurants because um, it's a really good point. A lot of times you'll uh, be at a bar or restaurant 
and the server will say, oh, let me get those drinks, and they'll tell the bartender, hey, just comp them. Mm-hmm. So then the server, you know, the assumption is that the customer is going to give the server a nicer tip because, hey, they didn't charge you for those drinks. Okay. Now the restaurant's losing that money, though, you know, and the restaurants certainly need all the revenue they can get. It's very tough operating a restaurant post-COVID. So, you know, it it, it does sort of make sense um, in that respect of, you know, more money coming to the restaurants, um, Still, a, 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 you know, if you're making a minimum wage in Illinois, and it's still, and obviously they'll be making more than what they're currently making, it would be a good seller for the server. So there might be a balance there, but I, it's, I think this is a debate that'll be going on for yeah. far beyond our lifetimes, you know? And the answer is, I mean, no matter what, um, you know, the folks that work for tips, who count on tips, we've got to figure out a way for them to make a living um a little bit more easily, whether it's yeah. raising that wage up to the regular minimum wage, coming up with some sort of a you know a national system. I think we're the only country that I know of where uh, tipping is as uh, you know just widespread as it is. Yes. You know, travel other places and you leave money, and they're like, "What's yeah? What, what are you doing? What is this for?" It's yeah. almost, in some countries, it's uh, it's, it's like disrespectful. disrespectful exactly. I don't yeah. understand that. Yeah. But, it's like, oh, you don't like free money? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, uh, God bless our uh, food industry workers. Yeah, they, absolutely. They need to be treated. It's, it's uh, very hard work. And we certainly all enjoy it, so hats off to you. You need to be treated well, and uh, after the break, we've got to take a quick break, but we're going to talk about one company that's not treating its employees well, and that's a little... The little chain, uh, little coffee place out of Seattle. I don't know. If oh you've yeah, ever mom and it. pop. Yeah, it's called Starbucks. Oh yes, yes. Um, but we've uh, we occasionally like to kick them around the studio here for the way that they beat on their workers, and we're going to be doing a little bit of that because um, one of their most uh, egregious efforts ever has uh, just been sort of revealed over the course of the past week. So um, stick around. We'll tell you a little bit more about it when we come back right here on the Workers' Mic on seven twenty WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to The Worker's Mic here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with Phil Davidson. And if you were listening in the last segment, uh, we gave a little bit of a teaser that we were going to be laying into a Seattle-based coffee chain named Starbucks. Um, so it's one of the companies that we've talked about over the past few months because so many of their stores have been organized you know so many starting yeah. in buffalo new york i think it was they're but, almost becoming synonymous with union organizing <laughs> right. Starbucks, and, so yeah. and, and union busting yeah, for that and union matter. busting as well um but right now they have around 350 locations that have held elections and uh where the workers have elected to be represented by a union and it's starbucks starbucks workers united yet what's the current um, situation with those three. How many contracts stores? have been yeah. settled? Yeah. Zero. Zero. So the, the, the reason why is uh, Starbucks refuses to sit down and negotiate. Yeah. So They refuse the, to recognize any of these elections that have been won by the employees. Right. Yes. So the process is workers can decide that they want a union, and they can go through the process of trying to get other workers on board, and when they feel like they have enough support, they can go to an election uh, with the National Labor Relations Board where – NLRB comes in and says, everybody, here's a ballot. Vote whether you want a union or not. Mm-hmm. Majority rules. Majority wins. Yep. So um, often that can be delayed. And in the interim period. Uh, for years. Uh, yeah, for years. <laughs> a company can can come out and say, like, hey, if you do this, we're not going to have any money to pay you. We're going to have to close this store and, yep. you know, threaten, intimidate, come up yeah. with all sorts of, uh, you know, all manners of nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Starbucks is a lies. bare bones operation. Oh, they, they'll probably shut down. I don't know week. how they yeah. can possibly be uh, <laughs> making any money selling those tiny cups of coffee for, you know, four seventy five dollars a piece. Um, 
But uh, they haven't negotiated with any of these uh, 350 locations. And Starbucks Workers United has now around 8,000 members. None of them uh, are working under a contract. So we've talked uh, on this show a lot of times about, you know, what is Starbucks' plan? It's just to kind of starve them out, to, to wait them out, to, you know, make it so these workers are like, well, nothing's happening. The union's not doing anything for me. This isn't, you know, this isn't worth my time. Yep. And it turns out that's pretty much exactly what their plan is because um, they, in a couple of locations, have left flyers out for their employees on how to decertify, which is how to take another vote to get rid of your union. Yes. Now, these fact sheets you know, give employees all these reasons and all, all the steps in the process. And at the bottom, it says, Great if pay you dues, Oh no. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pay 3% to yeah. make yeah. A, a, an increase of, you know, 50% yeah, $300 a year to make a 50% wage increase. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Healthcare. No. It's, we've been over that before and it's yeah. union dues are the best deal, uh, the best investment you can make. Yeah. Um, but these employees are being told if you have any questions on how to do this contact, the National Right to Work Foundation, oh, yeah. which is a, it's a foundation that's funded by groups like the Koch brothers, uh, the Waltons of Walmart, yeah. you know, people who are notoriously anti-worker. Our famous uh, Richard Dick Uline from here in Illinois, who loves to put whatever money he can into squashing his own employees, uh, his you know, ordinary middle class workers, and basically anybody he disagrees with. But um, so Starbucks is in bed with the National Right to Work yeah. Foundation. And of course they are. Yeah. The reason for this, interestingly <laughs> enough, is the National Labor Relations Board will not accept a petition to decertify a union um, that is less than a year out from the initial election for the union. Yeah. So because it's then it's coercive at that point. Yeah. Right. So what Starbucks has done here is allowed these workers to vote in a union in many locations, failed to even discuss to sit down to negotiate anything with them yeah. for a year they, and once they, that like year, starbucks just fails to acknowledge that happened it's kind of like almost similar to what trump threw the election it's just right. like yo, that happened but no it didn't i don't i refuse to believe it it's right pretty it's, crazy yeah, lo- yeah fantasy land so <laughs> they wait a year and then they start pushing this decertification stuff so they yeah. they're not even engaging they have an obligation to negotiate with their employees they're refusing to do it and then once that year mark passes they start pushing decertification yes so Anybody who's out there who is a, a fan of Starbucks, you know, if you go to a Starbucks re- regularly, ask them if they're thinking about forming a union. And if they aren't, tell them that they should. And if they are, you know, give them a little bit of support because it means a lot. Um, but It's a real uphill battle. But Starbucks is doing everything it can. It's doing absolutely nothing to help its workers. It's doing everything to try to stop them from moving forward getting a union, trying to stop them for from fighting for better pay for you know health care for better scheduling yeah whatever i mean these these workers 350 locations eight thousand workers all across the country clearly there's a need um you know in in places where workers are taken very well very good care of you don't have this no. so there's clearly something going on here these workers need this and starbucks is not only ignoring them but now fighting against them and, there's, and there's nothing against them. there's nothing stopping starbucks from voluntarily recognizing the unions and negotiating with oh them. absolutely but, not they could yeah. do that in a moment but tomorrow they're, they're they're doing exactly the opposite in yeah. fact many of the stores uh that unionized they just close them some yeah. stores they get rid of the tipping feature mm-hmm. so that these employees who were bold enough to ask for a union can no longer receive tips yep um but in ithaca new york they had three locations Devious. that voted to unionize yeah and they closed them all right yeah. after and uh Ithaca, New York is the home of Cornell, Cornell University. University yeah. So Cornell University just this past My week. My safety school. 
Your safety school, that was your backup? <laughs> was. Where'd you go to college? Iowa. Okay. Well, yeah. Cornell's a good backup. <laughs> Pretty good backup. Yeah. Um, they sent me a football recruiting letter when I was in high school, and really? I always just assumed that it went to the wrong house because there's just <laughs> no reason that they would have actually wanted me to go there. Um, but uh, but Cornell University, they serve Starbucks in their uh, residence halls, their cafeterias, and they have a contract with Starbucks to supply all their coffee through, yeah. I think, 2025. But they announced this week that uh, coming from uh, on the heels of pressure from their uh, students, they're ending all their agreements with Starbucks as soon as possible. They're not going to be in any kind Good of partnership you, because of the way that uh, Starbucks treated these workers in yeah. Ithaca, New York. So give them hell. I'd like to see more of that because at the end of the day, I mean, we can all complain about cancel culture, and there's a lot of things that happen that shouldn't. But when you beat down your workers who have done nothing wrong but are just trying to get a little bit of a better deal for themselves, these greedy baristas, you know, yeah, fat cat coffee makers. high on the hog. Right? The, um, if, if they're getting beaten down, there has to be a consequence. This like, is Starbucks how you do it. has to feel it. This and, is how you take action. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that'll set off a tidal wave of similar actions by other universities. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. see something like this happen and yeah. people understand that it's possible. You can yeah. make Starbucks feel it, you can get their attention. Um, and it's going to take a lot because Starbucks, I mean, any Starbucks you see, there's a line around the block. Of course. Uh, everybody's going in the middle of the day for their fix. And, uh, I mean, I, I need caffeine as much as anybody else. I, I think it's Starbucks. rare for Starbucks to build union additionally. I think most of their I think wherever they can get away with yeah. not doing it, they yeah, do. Yeah, they do. They do. Is there any good union coffee company? Uh, here in Chicago, we've got Intelligentsia. <laughs> oh, Intelligentsia, yeah, that's Intelligentsia right. Intelligentsia just organized last fall. Yep. Uh, check them out. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, in the words of Ken Edwards, shame on you, Starbucks. <laughs> so uh, we've got a, a few more things to talk about, but we've got to take a break. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be back with more Workers' Mike right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mike, powered by MCL, right here on WGN radio in the last segment we just got done talking about starbucks and i wanted to add one more thing that i thought was interesting there um this past week the general counsel of the national labor relations board her name is jennifer abruzzo um, and she is very very active in pushing for regulatory changes that benefit workers the national labor relations board or the nlrb is the body that uh, oversees elections oversees a lot of you know workplace uh, regulations but yeah very very pro-worker she's extremely pro-worker she's yeah. done a lot of things uh and you know sometimes there are things that don't get done in congress but she's found ways or you know a good general counsel finds ways to make it happen through um you know jurisprudence and stuff like that or just case law within uh the nlrb so uh, what she's pushing for is a reinstatement of what's called card check. Now, card check is if there is a um, if there is a majority of workers. If you're going to organize a company and there are you know ten employees there, yep. and you get six union cards signed or six you know cards signed by the employees, that's a majority. The employer has to re- recognize. Has you, to recognize. You them. don't have to go yeah. to an election. It avoids that whole period of the employer being able to intimidate people into, you know, voting against the union. And it's just a simple majority. Right. That's all you need. Yeah. And it's and, and, and more often than not, when a company is organized, 
it's it doesn't just go like six to four out of ten workers. Like yeah. if if that happens, it's going to be tough sledding for any union because you need a, a you strong need more. majority. You, yeah, you need some wiggle room. So, um, but they're they're fighting to reinstate card check and Jennifer Abruzzo. Much to her credit, she just said she she wants to make things easier for middle class people to make more money to yeah. get ahead to have a little bit more of a voice uh, against larger corporate interests. So, yeah, and that's why you need someone a bulldog like her yeah. at the NLRB. Who's fighting for workers? Because you know, in, in previous administrations, it's been much more pro business, which obviously hurts the little guy. Yeah, for sure. So she's uh, she's our, I think our uh, workers' Mike hero of the week, Jennifer Abruzzo. Hats off to you, and uh, we'll be watching that because you know, being able to force employers to recognize unions and force them to sit down and negotiate will eliminate situations like what we have for these uh, for these eight thousand Starbucks employees that just want nothing more uh, than to sit down and negotiate a fair deal. Yes. So, all right, so keep your eyes out for that. That's going to be coming up. Coming up, yeah. And then in, in other uh, federal news, uh, this is something that's near and dear to the Carpenters' hearts, and mm-hmm. I think all the building trades, but um, the name of the organization, the U.S. Treasury Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. That sounds like somebody you don't want to be getting a voicemail <laughs> no, from. No, otherwise known as FinCEN. FinCEN. FinCEN uh, just issued a notice to the construction industry about uh, tax fraud uh, and wage theft in the construction industry. And basically, they are telling uh, banks, financial institutions, to report suspicious activity related to um, tax evasion in the construction industry. And this is something that we've been fighting for, for uh, I mean, since the inception of the Carpenters Union. Right. Um, and, and the problem is, it's very hard for union contractors uh, to compete against uh, what we call the low-road contractors, mm-hmm who pay in cash, who pay under the table, off the books, because when you're bidding on a project and this guy who's not paying uh, Social Security, who's not paying unemployment insurance, who's right. just paying a guy cash, how do you compete against that guy? For and, sure. and it's a huge, huge problem. And, you know, so basically, if you're a good contractor who does the right thing, pays a good wage, pays benefits, pays all of his federal and state income taxes, why should you be penalized against a guy who cheated? And it, it's just rampant. It's rampant in the construction industry. So we've been fighting this for years. I know that uh, your union has as well. I mean, all the billing trades. Yeah. And so um, it was a, a big win to see that, you know, this is something that uh, FinCEN is now pushing on banks to say, like, look, you guys are all doing this with anti-money laundering. You're all look, Your banks are all required to re- report suspicious activity if you think a guy might be involved in money laundering, et cetera. It's like this is happening in, in, in the construction industry, and it's – um. It's time to to step it up there. So um, now, is it going to change everything overnight? No, we're we're not that naive. But just the fact that they're taking uh, more uh, of initiative towards it, and it's just going to serve, you know, as as a way to disincentivize Mm -hmm. anyone thinking about cheating the system, and you know, make a contractor who what we would be what we would consider uh, you know low road take that risk. Um, You know, now it's like all right, because I mean, obviously, there's hefty fines and penalties if you get caught cheating the old u.s government right so um we're pretty happy about it and thank you uh vincent and you know the administration currently in power for uh making this a priority and we'll see where it goes well the irs and the department of the treasury uh are good i'm sure they're good at many things but one thing that i know the irs is very good at is getting its money yes they Uh, are if if you owe the irs money and this is not the start of a commercial that's actually (laughs) that that sounded like the start of one of those (laughs) ads it's Hopefully WGN is an area. Do you have mesothelioma? Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, 
the IRS will come for you, and they will get they will get their money no matter what. But yeah. um, I mean, I I, I love that unless they you're have, like a Fortune 500 company with Cayman Islands offshore accounts, then you know maybe they won't come after you. Sorry, yeah. Look the other way, or, you know, <laughs> pretend they didn't see it. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, putting recognizing that this is a problem, and you're you're 100 percent right. The construction industry is one of the industries where it is so easy, so um, easy. to exploit workers yeah. because you can you can take a young guy and just say, hey. Uh, I've you know I've got a, a simple task. Can you come over here and move this stuff, and I'll just pay you under the table. And yeah. it sounds great, but um, you know if you've got companies, think of this like almost in like a, a free trade versus fair trade kind of a thing. Like where we in America, like our factories compete against uh, factories in countries where they don't have things like the EPA, uh, so they can do things more cheaply because they don't have to follow any rules. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree that that's kind of unfair that, you know, uh, like a paper mill in the United States would have to compete against a paper mill in, uh, you know, let's just say China, where uh, we can't pollute the water, uh, the, you know, the, the local rivers and stuff. They don't have to worry about it. And yeah. it's, it's unfair competition. Yeah. So just take that and put it into the construction industry where you have a company that trains its workers, pays for their health care, pays their unemployment insurance, workers' comp, uh, pays for safety equipment and training and all that. And it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, it's expensive to pay for all that, but you wind up with construction workers who are skilled and who know what they're doing, can keep themselves safe, and can Yeah, you you're going to attract a much safe. higher quality employee. Right. Yes. And, and especially if it's something where people are um, performing work on behalf of the taxpayers. Yep. If you're building public projects, you want to know that taxpayers' money is being used uh, it's being spent well on a quality product, and it's not being used to exploit workers. Um, so anything that can be done to to uh, as you said yeah. to disincentivize companies uh, who are out there who are you know not providing safety training, who are you know paying cash and stealing you know literally stealing the wages from their employees, which is something that the, the yeah. carpenters uh, unions done yeah, great I mean, work on. It, it could go even deeper on that. I mean, a lot of, you know, there's coyotes that bring workers over. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it does happen, and, you know, there's so many shell companies formed, and there's so many ways for them to cheat the system. Um, sad but true, but, you know, obviously we're not going to give up that fight. And right. um, this is one way to, to keep attacking. And, yeah, you, you, you hit them where it hurts. You hit them at the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's where, um, you know, you know, if you can't take out $100,000 in cash to pay your employees for a week, uh, you know, you're not going to have a business. So yeah. that's the whole goal of all of this. So um, there's uh... – there was also something this week that uh, was it um, they had introduced a bill uh, in Congress yeah. to prohibit people who are a part of a public union, a government, a government yes. employees who are, who are unionized. Yeah, part of ask me who are Yep, from having union dues deducted automatically from their, from their paychecks. Their paychecks. I'm, yeah. uh, so I'm in a union, and my union dues just come out of my paycheck. Yeah, and you know, so I guess what they're trying to do is make it so you have to mail in an envelope. Correct. With your dues, so that your union is basically. I mean, if you if you took everybody, they're who trying to cripple the union. Yeah, it, yeah. You're going to have a big drop off of people exactly. who forget to do forget it or to don't pay have a stamp or, or, or yes, whatever. And and federal law is already that if you're a public sector worker and you don't pay your dues, the union can't stop rec- uh, representing you. It's called exactly. right to work, and yep. it's it's harmful toward workers. It's just a race to the bottom. Yeah, um, yeah. There's nothing forcing you to join the union. Yeah, right. You're still going to get the representation. You're going to still get all the great collective bargaining benefits that. You know the union has provided for you, yeah. but the whole idea that they're trying to prevent people from having automatic deductions is just crazy. Um, so it's it's just one way to try to chip away at a couple percent of uh, the revenue that goes to unions and weaken their ability to represent workers, weaken their ability to uh, participate in the uh, you know in in politics. 
Um, and you know, it'll probably pass in the House too, given oh, I'm the sure current makeup. I mean, it'll it'll probably die well, we, I think, a painful I, death in we, the Senate. But for sure. yeah, we have uh, we have a Congresswoman from Illinois. I'm sure that'll be voting for that. It's Mary. Uh, I stormed the Capitol, and all I got was this lousy uh, court appearance, Miller. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Congresswoman. We uh, don't like you. She might not be a big fan of the show. That's yeah. okay. She's busy with other things like, I don't know, storming the Capitol. So, um, but Condoning this, it, for certainly. Yeah, whatever. But uh, so, um, yeah, that's that's anything with right to work is uh, an, a, a very nicely named terrible law that's bad yeah. for workers. Yeah, so. and, you, and you just see what unions are up against um, everywhere. But it's, even in Congress, you have members of Congress trying to prevent people from earning good benefits, good salaries, good good health care, good job protections, you know, and making it difficult for them to be participants in their union, which is just like Right. Really? And again, you the, know, it's one thing if you're a business trying to do that, but you know, you're a member of Congress. What, what are you getting involved with this? I mean, it's I mean, obviously they're acting at the behest of, yeah. you know, the National Rights Work Foundation, but yeah, that's just really is, is awful. All right, well, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back uh, with the last segment of this week's Workers' Mic. So stay with us right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher, here with Phil Davidson. And I uh, wanted to touch on one thing that's kind of exciting going on um, you know, it's near and dear to my heart uh, coming up tomorrow morning uh, as a member of the Operating Engineers Local 150. Every year we host a fundraiser golf outing. It's the James M. Sweeney Classic, named after our uh, president business manager, Jim Sweeney. Uh, but we have a, a big fundraiser golf outing at four different courses around the southwest suburbs that uh, raises money for the Navy SEAL Family Foundation. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a group. This What this charity does is it provides uh, support for the spouses and children of Navy SEALs and Naval Special Warfare soldiers while they're either away training or deployed. Because remember, these are soldiers who they can just get a, a phone call and they're gone. Yeah. And they can't tell their families where they're going. Often they don't know where they're going and they can be gone for three months, six months, nine months. And their families just have to, you know, handle it, make yeah. do. So what this charity Adapt, does, yeah, yeah they uh, what this uh, this charity does is it'll provide support services, whether it's financial support, whether it's uh, you know pr- putting together like networking events to help spouses kind of get to know each other, get to know the the base, the neighborhood, um, but also providing like tutoring for the uh, for the the children that might be in school and struggling, or counseling for kids who are having a hard time with a parent being away. So that's um, great yeah we're we've raised uh, as a union almost five million dollars for this charity Holy over the past cow. five or six years and so almost uh, a million bucks a year almost yeah. and and we've got a, a very very aggressive goal for fundraising for uh for this year we won't know for sure until the end of the outing yeah. uh tomorrow but uh you know we're we'll have navy seals uh you know parachuting into silver lake golf club out in wow. Orland park and it's always a big crowd pleaser, but uh, will you get some video of that for us? Oh, absolutely! I'll, yeah. uh, I'll make sure that it's up on the uh, up on the Facebook page for uh, Workers Mike later That's this week. That's cool, but and it's four courses. Four golf courses. That is, I mean, one golf outing at one course is a nightmare to put together. Yeah. Coordinating four simultaneously a, is there's a, quite a bit going on. But there, we'll Herculean have, efforts. We'll have almost six hundred golfers, and uh, <laughs> they come from. Is it mostly you know, members? 
Uh, well, no, it's yeah. it's it's mainly um, because it's a fundraiser. Yeah, you know the the foursomes are uh, they're a little bit pricey, and yeah. the sponsorships gotcha. are a little bit pricey. Yeah. But so it's it vendors. All, yeah. It all goes to charity, but yep. it's uh, there are unions participating, there are contractors, there are um, you know equipment vendors, there are you know tool vendors, and uh, you know various like uh, professional services firms. So cool. We like to say that this is the. Uh, construction industry of Chicagoland, uh, giving a little something back. But again, we're hoping to, uh, you know, we've raised over $5 million for the Navy SEAL fam- Family Foundation, and we're hoping to really give a big boost to that number at this outing tomorrow. So I'll, uh, I'll upload a video later this week and, um, you know, keep your uh, keep your ears out because it's, uh, it's a really feel-good thing for a construction industry here in Chicago. Very cool. And we've got an event, and that's a little further away, but uh, on October 6th, It'll be the 50th anniversary of our apprentice graduation dinner. Really? Um, and, uh, yeah, big events. Obviously, yeah. 50 is, uh, is is a golden anniversary. And we're going to have the governor there. We're going to have uh, the general president of the UBC, Douglas McCarran, coming in. So, um, yeah, a lot I've of, seen him. Uh, he's got a really cool beard. He he's got, like, cool a beard. cool Civil, era, Civil War era kind of a beard. Yeah, he's been compared to a uh, bearded Ted Danson. He's sort of... Uh, actually, Joe Theismann came up with that. Joe Theismann. Yeah, Joe, Thi- Joe Theismann spoke at an event with us. And he's like, you kind of look like Ted Danson with a beard. When you look at it, it's pretty close. But, yeah. Anyways, he's the most important man uh, in my life. So, yes, uh, President McCarran, looking forward to having you. <laughs> we love him. Uh, yeah, we love you. Beard looks great. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a huge event. We're, we're really excited about like, 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. We'll be at the Westin in Lombard. And, um, yeah, this year, I believe we're graduating 400 apprentices. That's hopefully. outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, a huge moment in a uh, in a carpenter and in, in any trade person's life to reach that journeyman status where uh, you're at the top of the pay scale and just the the, the pride that uh, goes along with that of doing the four years of training mm-hmm. uh, it's hard work yeah it's hard work you're become an expert in your craft and god bless them and yeah we're, we're looking for that um next uh in october all right cool well that's uh that's very cool yeah. um so we're we're winding down we only have a few minutes left for the show but uh Something that we're going to be talking about a little bit more in the weeks to come. Um, this week coming up, United Auto Workers employees are going to be voting to authorize a strike. Uh, their contracts with you know the big three automakers expire, I think, uh, September fourteenth at yep. midnight. September fourteenth, yep. um, and talks so far have been you know pretty, good. pretty adversarial. Yes, um, from what I understand, Ford. Uh, there was a report that Ford had a, uh, a recorded meeting that told its white-collar employees to start getting ready to do blue-collar labor. So if they uh, if they think they're just going to put supervisors uh, on the assembly lines, it's going to work <laughs> That'll out okay. That'll end well, yeah. Yeah, you have to remember. I mean, people who make <laughs> yeah, cars... Maybe don't buy a Ford for a little while. Yeah. ...know how to make cars, and people who, you know, don't... It's it's skilled work, so, uh, you know, we've we've had strikes with our employee, employers where supervisors have tried to operate equipment or load trucks or do any number of things. And it always works out terribly because you don't know how to do it properly. So, um, but anyhow, it's going to be like Laverne and Shirley on the assembly line. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) There's going to be like a glove on the bottle. (laughs) There was that Wayne's world. I think that was the Wayne's world parody of Laverne and Shirley. It was in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that'll be, that's going to be big news. I mean, it's 150,000 union auto workers. Right. So that, uh, that could be huge coming up in September. So we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive on that next week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's one to watch right, right up there with the, uh, the Teamsters in, uh, UPS. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And maybe Ken will be back. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I know he might be spelunking. Next he could week. be spelunking. We yeah. hope he makes it to the surface. He's becoming the most interesting man. He really is. Yeah. I think he should grow a beard. And maybe get like a monocle. <laughs> yeah. 
I think a monocle increases interestingness by 15%. Easy. Maybe 20%. Yeah. 20% is a good benchmark, just like tipping. Yeah, yeah. What do you tip a guy wearing a monocle? An extra? More. Yeah. The answer you is have more. To. You have or to. maybe yeah. less, because you figure he's got a monocle. He doesn't need the money. <laughs> What's he hiding? Yeah, he's got. if you can afford a monocle, you, you must be doing all right. But maybe something for the effort? Yeah, why not? Okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, this is your job now. You are now the official guru of Mr. Manners. Mr. Manners. Yeah. That's right. Look out, people. I'm going to be sending you emails <laughs> weekly. All right. Well, I that, the doorman. That's all the time we have for this week. Phil, thank you very much. Yeah, my it's, pleasure. It has been a pleasure having you uh, in the studio. I the know last my, my run ends shortly, but I'll be no, back. You will be back. I'll be, be back, back before you know it. Yeah. Um, so once again, everybody, thank you very much for sticking with us this week, and we will be back with more Workers Mike here on 720 WGN next week. The preceding episode of the Workers Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of the Workers Mike, visit WGNRadio.com.